Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion. Welcome to the BOF podcast. It's Friday, April 23rd. The fashion industry is a notoriously opaque industry, and that's a big problem when the industry is trying to focus on reducing its negative environmental and social impact. Recently at the BOF Professional Summit, Closing Fashion Sustainability Gap, Linda Greer, a global fellow at the Institute of Public and Environmental Affairs and a member of our Sustainability Council, joined BOF's London editor, Sarah Kent, for a discussion on how fashion's bad data is affecting its sustainability efforts. Here's Linda Greer at the BOF Professional Summit. This is a topic that you and I have discussed a lot and and one that I think is pretty much fundamental to every single one of the sessions that we've had so far today. But transparency is also a bit of a catch-all term that could cover a lot of things. So I wondered if we could start by just really talking about what we mean when we say we want the fashion industry to be more transparent. What are we asking for here? You know, I think it's pretty simple and there's no reason to make it more complex than it is. Um, We want to know what their environmental impacts are, and we want numbers associated with those impacts. 
and we want to see where they're headed. You know, where are they starting and where are they going? I'm speaking just about environment right now, but of course, this would also apply to labor issues as well. So in, in environment, it's not mysterious. We want to know their greenhouse gas emissions. We want to know their chemical use. We want to know their water usage. The, the topics we've been talking all morning in today's session, and we need that to be tracked and traced and reported on. And, you know, let me just say, when I was thinking about our session this morning and preparing to talk to you, I was thinking about the, you know, how do we, how have we gotten to the point that this is still being discussed the way that it is, that we're still needing to explain and justify the need for transparency in the industry. And what struck me is, more than 10 years ago, this industry was catching a lot of flack for its environmental impacts. And they were really needing to respond to a big visible problem that they were causing with their pollution. And as a result, they responded in this huge flurry of you know, commitments and statements and sustainable reports and the creation of the Sustainable Apparel Coalition and the ZDHC commitment letters, et cetera. It seems like you know, they were making, they're making a lot of talk, but then of course, um, making claims, you know, like show me, show me that you're doing it. I didn't re recommend to, to these companies to make these big promises and claims. But if they do make these big promises and claims about their commitment to sustainability, you can't have it both ways. You can't make the claims and then push back on transparency to be accountable for those claims. Either shut right. your mouth and don't pretend or show us that you're really doing it. And I think the heart of transparency is showing us that you're really doing it. Right. And just to fill in for people in the audience who might not be familiar with some of the organizations that you mentioned, Sustainable Apparel Coalition and ZDHC are two industry groups that were set up, as you said, about 10 years ago. ZDHC to tackle issues around chemical pollution, hazardous chemical use, and SAC really to try and start measuring some of the environmental impacts that the fashion industry is having. And they've really become a fulcrum for the industry to talk about what they're doing to be more sustainable. And yet, notwithstanding this decade or more of work now, we're still at a point where there's not a huge amount of information out there uh, that Linda, yourself, or me as a journalist, can look at to see whether there's been real improvement. And I think the obvious next question is, why not? As you said, this is not rocket science. It's quite a simple ask. Why don't we have this information? Why, why is the fashion industry still so opaque? I think the first thing that jumps to mind is because they still have a lot to hide. And so the fact of the matter is that there's a lot of opacity in the supply chain that continues today that so many companies truly don't know, particularly below their tier one suppliers, where their materials come from, and then from there all the way down to their fibers. And that although that is somewhat inconvenient, sometimes it's also very convenient uh, because they get plausible deniability that problems associated with those steps of their manufacturing are their own. And so I have to say that it is a problem that I'm not saying there would be no work to solve it, but as you pointed out, the way to solve it is quite straightforward. You know, it doesn't require moonshot activities of some new technology or anything like that. And so I think we have to conclude that there is a level at which this lack of transparency is working for these companies because it allows them to perpetuate the status quo. 
Now, let me say, though, that it's also true that the world has become a very transparent place and that transparency is not all up to them anymore. And that, you know, just thanks to the internet and thanks to consumer pressure, companies are making a mistake to not get ahead of this and actually be presenting this information on their own rather than playing catch up as they did with Greenpeace for the zero discharge campaign. So I would hope they would learn that lesson that even if it's sort of for a negative motivation of trying not to get caught, that they would realize that this opacity really is a feature of the past and that they would be much better off uh, for their own sake uh, to be much more transparent themselves. Right. And this came up in the last talk on emissions as well, that consumers are, are asking for it. They want to know, you know, what, what is the impact of this product? How can I understand whether this is good or bad for the planet? And I don't want to just take your word for it. Show me, prove it to me. Do you think that that is a useful driver that is helping to create more transparency? Or is it also enabling, you know, this came up in the last talk as well, data dumps that can create more greenwashing or also allowing brands to put out information that maybe isn't particularly high quality or good to make them seem like they're doing more or being more transparent than they really are? Yeah, I, I think this is a very this is a very timely question. Sort of my what what would keep me up at night about this is to have all this constructive consumer pressure from a genuine consumer interest in um, making more sustainable purchases, and then to have them get bamboozled by information that doesn't actually mean anything, and it have it be a PR exercise where almost anything can be called sustainable or lower impact, um, et cetera. I think we are at that moment where uh, we have a danger of doing that and that it will breed um, tremendous public cynicism uh, and, and a kind of a backlash against the companies that do it. And I think it will also be very frustrating to uh, government efforts uh, to try to straighten these things out. Again, going back to what I said earlier, the reporting of what really matters here is actually not that mysterious or difficult. So I, I could see a clear path future for what needs to be, what data needs to be collected and what data needs to be reported and can imagine a world where we could all agree on that fairly readily. But right now, I think what we are subject to is a lot of confusing reporting and a lot of inconsistency across companies of what they choose to report. And I think that's just going to be very frustrating to customers uh, sooner right. rather than later. Yeah, and I think that's an important point you kind of touched on there around everyone agreeing on what it is you need to report and how you measure it, because that that's something companies raise a lot. They sort of they sort of say there's no unified or agreed upon measure for this thing, and therefore it's meaningless really for us to talk about it because no one's going to understand it. So don't don't worry about it. You know, um, you know what how, I always think when I hear that is, you know, well, how many environmental professionals do you have on your staff? Because I'm a trained environmental professional. A lot of people I know know how to do that. So you may just not have the right people asking this question. And you may be working more in your public relations, uh, relations department than, you know, with, uh, with the kind of expertise that you might need to solve this problem. Right. And I, I think that that is, that is definitely an issue within the industry that a lot of times when companies first come to this um, question around sustainability, 
it's from a marketing perspective. It's because consumers are asking about it and you want to see how you can present that to them. And, you know, it's great that that's encouraging companies to come to this. But, you know, as you just pointed out, you, you have to move past that pretty rapidly to have any credibility on this topic. And, you know, having sort of laid out what this problem is, what are the risks if we don't solve it? You know, you, you pointed to the issue around regulators, but if, if we don't have good data in the fashion industry, why is that a problem? Well, because all of the problems that we need to solve need that data in order for us to solve them. So just, you know, think of the companies right now that are making very excellent commitments, those science-based targets for their greenhouse gas reductions, which I'm very in favor of. But then let's think for one minute about, okay, now what do you do? You've made a commitment for a 45% reduction by 2030 or 2035. Step one, where are my emissions? <laughs> Step two, you know, in my portfolio of suppliers, who is a hot spot of inefficiency? Who is the model citizen in, 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 you know, in opposite to that? And then what's my game plan? How am I going to move forward? You know, absent data on that, I just don't see how you develop a game plan and how you accomplish your goals. Um, and again, you know, talk is cheap. Uh, so if you have a goal and it's not even till 2035, what is next year supposed to look like for you? What you should you be doing right now? So I think without data, uh, to drive you internally and without public disclosure of that information so that you're accountable for everything you're telling us about how much you care and what you're planning to do, then I just feel like you're in a circular, you know, pattern of not making. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts. Specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff, with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. 
Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. In progress. Right. And and from a business perspective, this is also strategic. If you really think, as, as more and more companies do, as investors increasingly are, that climate is a business risk. You don't have this information. You can't make smart strategic decisions, which is is kind of mind blowing when you think about it that way. People are just making these statements about what they're going to do without really knowing what the state of play is. What are the solutions? How do we fix this? I mean, the first thing that uh, comes to mind for me is that we do need to fix this with government regulation, and we um, I think are at at a point, an inflection point here for uh, opening the curtain again to better government regulation. I mean, here in the United States, we obviously have a new administration, the European Union and um, Great Britain have been ambitious on this. China itself is more ambitious than it has been on these things. And I think we've had a a great run trying um, reliance on corporate social responsibility and voluntary uh, pledges. And I think the jury is in and that that didn't work out for us. It was too complicated. And the companies, you know, maybe they tried their best, but we can't we can't afford another 10 years. You know, what has gotten us this far is clearly not going to get us where we need to be on these matters. So I think government needs to be requiring things. I think they need to require disclosure. Uh, Government requires disclosure on many fronts already. Uh, This can be another one. And then I think where we do need uh, sort of innovative regulation is thinking through what are the international, what can national governments require for international behavior and how can they enforce those requirements uh, so that a a functional framework is put out there uh, that will sort of lift all boats uh, because we don't have great global governance regulatory structures uh, that they can rely upon already. But I do think that that's that's the the core component of the solution uh, that we need to put in place. In that sense, are we talking about things like mandatory due diligence that will apply in every jurisdiction where a company, rather than a sort of international level um, set of regulations? What about, I think, a, a conversation that comes up a lot and really gets the heart of why this issue around transparency is such a big issue and why it leads to so much additional complexity is how do we ensure without having good data right now that the regulations being brought into place are the right regulations and are good regulations? And I know within the fashion industry, this is a big debate at the moment around how you legislate for materials, because how you measure the environmental impact of a specific material is is quite a hot debate at the moment. 
whether a recycled polyester should be measured against the same framework as cotton can and how you compare the two. Given that we don't have a good set of data at the moment, how do we set smart legislation around that kind of thing? I think those are those are very solvable problems in many ways. You know, I spent probably 20 years of my career working on regulatory matters uh, here in the United States, um, overseeing and, you know, trying to strengthen EPA regulations as they came out as like my, my business of what I did when I worked for an NGO here. And regulators know how to think these things through. And they'll look at three or four different options and they'll propose and they'll take comment and then they'll make a decision. And there'll be, you know, good sides and bad sides to the decision that they make. But then that's the decision and they move forward. And I I do feel like these are standard regulatory questions that I'm not saying that they're a snap of a finger, but I certainly think they can be solved and that they should be solved by people with the experience of regulating industry. Uh, because they've seen a lot before as doing the Clean Air Act and the Clean Water Act and the Toxic Chemicals Acts that they have. And it won't be like a hot knife through butter, but I think it will be easy to address. And it will sort of, it will sort of settle down the, the froth that we've been suffering from where people keep debating and debating and debating uh, because they don't have the authority and the points of leverage to just make a decision and move on. I think froth is a good good word to use here. Even, even when it comes to regulation, I, you know, I, I agree with you that regulation is a big part of this. Do you have a view, though, also on how we address the fact that within this industry in particular, even when there is good regulation, it is often very poorly enforced? Is that another challenge here that we have to get past? Yeah, I think it's the biggest challenge on the regulatory front. I think conceptualizing and setting forth the regulations, although a piece of work, I can see that, you know, as I was just saying, I can really see how we do that. Enforcement is difficult and it's difficult because it's global. And the other hand, we do have a lot of technology nowadays that we have not had in decades past. So for example, in China, we have a lot of automatic monitoring now of discharges and air pollution coming out of stacks. Uh, There's very interesting developments in satellite supervision of factories. And I think, again, where there's a will, there's a way. Won't be perfect. Uh, In some ways, I think it may even be easier for environment than for labor because we have like physical things that machines can measure, whereas the labor enforcement might be more difficult. And I do hope that uh, with regulation, there will be a little bit technology forcing so that we can continue to have more and more uh, remote and automatic monitoring of environmental impacts. Yes, and I think that technology piece is a really interesting aspect because it does start to to pierce the veil somewhat of the myth that companies have that they just can't, it's too complicated. They can't trace things back to where they came from, but actually there is technology that can allow you to do it And I think also what we're seeing over the course of the last year with some of the issues that are arising with cotton in China and real sanctions being put on that, that you've got a very tangible business risk if you don't start to solve that issue as well, which I think is adding pressure. I wonder if in closing, if there is one thing a company could do today to improve that track record on this, where should they start? They, they should baseline their emissions in their supply chain. 
forget about scope one and scope two, by which I mean your offices and your retailer. It's just very small environmentally and go right to your supply chain and go to the hotspots in your supply chain, not your tier one. And just create for us in six or nine months, your estimated baseline and starting point, because then I'll think you're really in the game. If you're not doing that, you're just not in the game because you just don't even know where your starting point is. Right, so it's, it's find the focus, focus on the biggest issues to begin with, start there and build. And I, yes. I think that's actually a great message for all of these topics that we're looking about at today. Start with what you can, but build your ambition. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure we'll be talking about this much more in the coming months. If you're not yet a BOF professional member, podcast listeners can benefit from a 25% discount on your first year of an annual membership using the code PODCASTPRO. That's podcast P-R-O. POF Podcast is edited and produced by Venetia Van Horn Alkama, Kate Vartan, and Kevin Bobby Blanco in the BOF Studio team. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.